There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Mickey McLeod, the co-founder of Salt Spring Coffee. Born and raised on the British Columbia coast, Mickey McLeod has always had an entrepreneurial bent. After leaving high school, he worked as a tree planter for a few seasons until he figured out that the better plan was to become a tree planting contractor. He figured out how to get a successful bid. He hired his own crew and he made that work for the next 10 years. He then started his own sawmill business on Salt Spring Island, which as you may know is a rural paradise tucked next door to Vancouver Island in the middle of the Georgia Strait. After creating an organic garden market on Salt Spring and learning to roast their own coffee in their spare time, in 1996, Mickey and his wife, Robin Scott, combined their passions by founding Salt Spring Coffee, a roaster and cafe to bring sustainable and fresh roasted coffee to the island. Growing up amidst the 1960s counterculture movement on Texada Island had exposed Mickey to the ideas of sustainability and organic farming and caring for the environment, values that he brought to Salt Spring Coffee, and yeah, he was a little ahead of his time. Salt Spring Coffee is one of the first to bring organic fair trade coffee to BC through initiatives like its Zero Waste Program and its B Corp certification. It continues to strive to have a positive impact on people and planet. Mickey McLeod, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be part of Startup Canada. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, we love local businesses, and local businesses that are cool are the best of all. Before we get started talking about Salt Spring Coffee and the journey you've been on, can you share with us the top piece of advice that you hope our listeners will uh, take away from our conversation today? Absolutely. Well, one of the um, good things that happened to me early on, it wasn't necessarily by design, but it happened. But I, I ended up with a really good mentor, somebody that tucked me under their wing and just sort of guided me through how to negotiate uh, business deals. And, you know, in my case, it was, you know, working on machinery and how to fix things and do some accounting and bookkeeping and just, you know, how to be independent. But it was just something that I uh, say wasn't by design, 
but it was, it certainly was helpful. And I think about that often through my journey through life and business. So getting a good mentor would be something I would really recommend. And also, you know, whatever it is, if it's a service or a product, you know, having some good passion and drive for it would also be something I would highly recommend. So Mickey, take us on your journey. What was your entrepreneurial aha moment that said, hey, this island needs coffee and we can do it? Well, it's the journey of that started uh, long before Salt Spring Coffee started. My wife and I, you know, we met early in, in the 1970s and shared a lot of a lot of things in the world. One of them was coffee. And my uh, my wife grew up in California. I'm from, I'm a BC boy. And when she took me back to California for a visit, we went and visited Cafe Trieste, you know, a very well-known uh, cafe in, in, in um, North Beach in, in California. And it just seemed like that was a, a passion that we, we both really shared. And, you know, fast forwarding uh, several years, you know, we always enjoying coffee during that time. And on Salt Spring Island, where, you know, we have both lived for, for several years and my entrepreneurial awareness and drive thing and looking at, well, Salt Spring Coffee, you know, what it's missing here is is, a, is good coffee. So I you know, just decided to... Uh, venture down that path a bit more doing you know some investigating into coffee and sourcing and quality and all that and it just seemed like wow this is something that we could really do and, and then sort of another part of that uh discussion or uh, awareness was um reading a book by a guy named kenneth davids who actually was a, a home coffee roaster uh an author he wrote this book about home coffee roasting so Purchased that book, purchased a few, some green beans and a little popcorn popper for us to roast some coffee at home. So then it really kind of gelled the, you know, the passion for the coffee, the community of Salt Spring. And it just, so we decided to, you know, let's make this bold leap into the coffee world because it all kind of lined up our values of loving coffee, the connection with farmers and producers and all of the pieces. And it just seemed like this is going to work. So we, we gave a, a big, bold leap um, in uh, early 96 and opened up a, a cafe on Salt Spring Island. So tell me what the company looks like now. How many types of products do you have? What kind of distribution have you achieved? What are customers saying about you these days? Well, the uh, the coffee space is very crowded. I mean, we started on Salt Spring Coffee in 1996. We moved to uh, Richmond, just outside of Vancouver, in uh, 2010. So we've been there for over so 12 years now, and we have quite a large distribution um, warehouse there. It's where all of our roasting. We've, you know, we just uh, in perspective, we started with a seven and a half kilo roaster on Salt Spring Island. We moved to Richmond. Now we have 220 kilo roasters. And we have about 25,000 square feet of a warehouse space and office space and distribution center. So we've, you know, we have grown substantially um, in that time. We do uh, distribute across Canada to all major grocery stores. We do a lot of work with Costco. We do a lot of work with independent cafes and hotels and food service outlets, as well as still running our flagship cafe on Salt Spring Island. So we, we do have a few uh, of our, we call them classic uh, coffees. So we have eight classic coffees and espresso and decaf. So those are our, our steadfast coffees that we distribute. We also uh, have a, a line that's coming out called Coffees of Distinction, which coffees are a little bit more unique in style. And, uh, you know, what we, what we try to do with those is still buy from the same cooperatives we work with. 
but the ones that are a little higher quality have a bit more of a unique story and also focusing more on regenerative agriculture um, and some of those smaller um, copies of distinction lots. But yeah, we're, we're, um, I'd say we're going concern. We've been, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've been doing it a while. We have uh, great distribution partners and, you know, our, we're pretty well recognized, I think in, in the Canadian coffee market. So it's, yeah, it's been an exciting journey and I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what's yet to come. Right. I mean, it's so hard to build a, a retail brand in Canada, and yet you've done that, obviously, very successfully. Um, obviously, it's taken time, and, and I'm sure there were some bumps in the road. But what do you think you've done differently or the brand has done differently that's allowed you to a, a achieve this success so far? Well, I, I think just really being true to the roots. You know, um, we are, a, an, a, you know, an authentic trailblazer company. We do believe in working closely with, you know, producers in the whole supply chain. Uh, you know, caring is a big part of what we do. I'm just meaning caring, meaning like caring for the producers we work with, the supply chain, all of our traders, the distributors, the whole thing. I think that's part of it. And, you know, really really kind of going quite deep, you know, I have all in, in making sure that each step of the way is, has had some thoughtful attention given to it, making sure, because part of it, you know, like the, in the supply chain, you know, like up and down, like where we buy from, we consider all of the, you know, the, the buyers or the, the coffee producers are partners, the same with the coffee traders we work with. So if you have this mutual respect and, you know, they need us, we need them, so we're not just out to, you know, to kind of try to buy the cheapest coffee we can get every year just to keep the numbers looking good. That's not the way we work. You know, we we want to make sure that, you know, we're there for the long haul for them and, and vice versa, because it is really a tight relationship. You know, and, you know, so we just that's that's one of the key pieces, you know, and even through, you know, tough times. I mean, you know, usually we travel. I've traveled a lot, you know, three or four times a year. I haven't gone anywhere in two years. <laughs> So we still have the relationship, though. So, you know, we do it in a different fashion now, you know, Skype calls and uh, Zoom, whatever it might be, whatever format we use. And, you know, we because we have that tight relationship from previous years, things just carry on, you know, and, and we can rely on each other. So that, I guess, it's mutual trust and respect and caring is, I think, probably some of the key factors that have been successful for us. Right. What what do consumers tell you? I mean, do they, they do they value that authenticity and and that caring? Well, you know, I I think so. I mean, to be quite honest, we got to uh, present that a little bit better um, than we have, and you know, we are working on that. I think that you know our real core customers do appreciate that. Um, you know, also our quality is um, extremely good. I mean, that's probably one of the top things that we get from people is the quality is good and it's consistent. So that's something else we take very seriously is that, you know, the way we purchase our coffee and uh, the process we go through for evaluating, grading, cupping, roasting, packing, you know, we take care of, you know, all those steps. And, you know, that's probably one of the biggest uh, comments we get is, is the quality. And, you know, admittedly, we, there's more, there's always work to do, always improvements to do. And one of the things is to let people know, you know, what, what, how we go about our process and the things I mentioned earlier about the caring process is that we need to talk more about that. And that, you know, that's something we're working on. 
Uh, what, what does that mean? Sort of a, a marketing campaign or a yeah. branding exercise? Yeah, I mean, just more more marketing, you know, to, to you know, let, let people know that here's what it is and, you know, what the differentiating factor is. So, you know, just being being proud of what we do. And, you know, we've, you know, there's no question there's been, you know, lots of disruptions, you know, leaving Salt Spring Island in 2010 was a massive disruption to us. You know, it's it's a whole other story what happened there. Won't go into that right now, but it disrupted operations quite a lot. So we landed back on our feet, you know, and you know, foraging forward. Um, but you know, it's and then you know, a company that that cares. I mean, we're you know, in the organic, fair trade valued business, which you know adds a whole other level of complexity and everything we do. It you know, it adds more <clears throat> layers of challenge. Um, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy being business. And as you said, a retail business in Canada is difficult. Absolutely it is. But then you add the other layers of things we do and it makes it more challenging. So, but it's, it's the thing, it's the only way to do business in my, in my uh, eyes. It's doing it right right and carefully. And how much of this was planned? I mean, when you started uh, your little cafe, did you think you would become a retail brand? Was that part of the plan? Well, yes and no. I mean, I probably had this, you know, um, idea back in my mind. I mean, that's, it's, it all, you know, certainly was pretty organic (laughs) the way it ended up, but it just, you know, kept, kept growing. We started to say with a seven and a half kilo roaster in the cafe on Salt Spring. And then it was a, I don't know, less than a year. We actually had to move it out because it was, you know, too busy, too popular and too much challenge to actually roast in the cafe. So we moved it to our, we have some property on Salt Spring Island. So we moved it to our home for about three years. And then, then we moved to our first uh, sort of official facility, roasting facility on Salt Spring Island. And, you know, we were there for about 10 years and, you know, we, we, as soon as we moved in, it was too small. So we managed that for a while and then we moved to our facility in in Richmond. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was, you know, the overall plan at the beginning was to, you know, have a 25,000 square foot facility, uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily the plan, but I had a more of a vision, I guess, and a feeling what I'd like to make sure that, you know, we could, we could have a brand that had some substance to it and that could actually have some meaning and help, you know, change the dial and how people conduct business and how we can help, you know, correct the world, so to speak. So, you know, we're trying to do our part in that. <laughs> so, so businesses are obviously, um, interesting creatures um they always need to be fed they always need to be managed it's very hard to make them run on autopilot have you had time to enjoy your success and say hey we've really built something or is it always just oh another problem another problem another problem we got to solve um there's been moments of enjoyment uh but i would say you know (laughs) more it's you know like dealing with i mean you know the last two years as an example you know i mean Luckily, I live in a very nice place on Salt Spring Island, but I haven't been to our facility. I've been, I guess, in the last year, probably been there six times in two years uh, to, to Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, we have great operational team there and obviously being able to connect via, you know, whatever medium you use. I mean, we, we use Google for our, our meetings that, you know, we have several a week and, you know, it's easy to communicate and all of that and have a great team to help operate over there. But, um, you know, so that's a challenge. You know, how do we deal with, the, you know, the COVID situation and you know, all of that? So that, you know, that that came out of left field for everybody. We're certainly not unique in that. 
but that was a challenge. So we were, you know, doing quite well, you know, going along and then all of a sudden, bam, COVID comes along. So we've got to deal with that. Um, you know, so that those are the kind of challenges that happen. And, you know, once again, you know, regulations change and, uh, you know, different standards and, you know, different kind of competition. And, you know, it's so, it, it's, yeah, there's always something. And I, I guess to answer your question, I haven't really been able to kind of sit back with my feet up going, oh, good. This is all good now. I'm just going to relax for a while. <laughs> uh, that hasn't quite happened yet, although I'd like it to. <laughs> That's the old watch what watch out what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say probably earlier years it was a little bit easier than it is now, you know, because there's just so much more to deal with. Is it <clears> so still many more fun? moving pieces. Is it still fun? Well, it is, you know. I mean, there's days that I really struggle, uh, but then there's you know, generally, um, you know, I'm feeling pretty pumped right now. Uh, you know, I and I still, you know, pretty dedicated on this mission to kind of help change the world, I guess, you know, and our part, you know, we can't sort of can't change it, but just sort of help uh, consumers and other businesses is, you know, there, there is an alternative, you know, way to do business. And, you know, we're trying to help be that example, um, you know, and we've, you know, we have some really good uh, connections with producers and that really respect what we do with them. So that really makes me feel good. Things like that. But that's what keeps me, gets me up. So you've definitely become a leader in terms of regenerative organic agriculture and social impact in Canada. So how do you think other founders should be looking at sustainability? How should they be gathering the knowledge they need in order to create those the, that authentic kind of brand? Well, you know, I guess I've all being being curious you know, I guess that's something that's always driven me my entire life is, you know, quite curious about what, how things work, what's going on, you know, when traveling, like what's around the corner, you know, what makes this tick, what are the ingredients, what are the labels in that? And, you know, kind of, you know, looking, you know, up and down, like, you know, if it's a product, where did it come from? How is it made? You know, who's the ownership? You know, those are some of the things that, you know, I've, I've always done. So, you know, and that can kind of tie into sustainability. So if, you know, I guess if it's a product, it's kind of easier to do that if it's your, if you're providing a service, but then if it's a providing a service, just, you know, wanting to make sure that you're, you know, really authentic with what you're do and being transparent and don't try to BS people or hide things. So just, you know, being real, you know, honest and true and, you know, admit if you've made a mistake and, you know, try to correct that and, and learn from that, you know, and it, if it's a product, then, you know, you could do your research, but where did it come from? Uh, you know, say, what are the, you know, what are the, the company background who owns it? And, you know, so that's, you know, kind of like label reading, you know, that's one of the things I've always done ever since I was quite young, you know, or on my own is reading labels on products, you know, what's in it, you know, food products. And so those are some of the things I would, you know, say, you know, that's kind of part of it is just really getting curious. Uh, about about that and then you could sort of you know make your own decisions about it is this the right product for me or you know or the right service so curiosity and you know doing doing a lot of research before jumping into something and you know so when people do ask you questions uh, about the product or service that you're able to kind of answer it in a real authentic sincere way right so your brand is all about the quality, the sustainability, the, the, the fair trade, the, the, the fair treatment of suppliers. Um, that, that, that basically means higher costs. Um, you know, you're building costs 
uh, into in, into your supply chain and in, into your business that that other new entrants might not have. So so how does how has that worked for you? How have you been able to to make sure that you that that you're able to, for lack of a better word, monetize all that hard work you've done? You know, I guess it ends up if you, you know, depending on what profitability you want to make. I mean, it's sort of at what cost is it your that profit coming? So if you're actually having to damage something socially, environmentally, in order to make more profit, is that the right thing? Is that actually more cheaper? You know, is it the right way to do it in the long run? So, you know, there's hundreds of examples. I'm not going to give any. Uh, but, you know, so if you're, you, you buy something for X, you sell it for X, you make that. But mean in the process of doing that, you're actually, you know, not treating people well in the case of, let's say, fair trade coffee. So if you're, you know, if you're buying coffee at the cost of a producer and they can't make a living off what they're doing it, and, they, and then in the long run, then that farmer has to leave because they can't afford to be a farmer anymore, then you just put strain on the whole coffee supply chain would be an example. And then that, you know, so then it, then it becomes more difficult, you know, the environment gets more damaged, all those things. So for me, it's always, it's like buying a quality piece of equipment. You know, you buy a cheap car or a better car, the better car is going to last you longer. So it's just a more a matter of about, I guess, more cash flow than anything. But I, I've always been, a, you know, wanting to, you know, to deal with quality and it lasts longer. So at the end of the day, I think you're not really, it's not cheaper in the long run. Um, and I think, you know, more and more people these days are actually willing to pay a little bit more for it. So we've just kind of held our ground and uh, been there and, you know, been at this for 25 years. And, you know, we have more and more people want to be doing what we're doing. And, yes, we've run into competition and price price issues. So we, we need to be within the right boundaries. But, you know, as once again, organic coffee, fair trade values more and more people are doing it, you know, from small right up to very large players. So obviously something's happening and more people want to do it. So that's also a good benchmark right there. Right, right. Nescafe is coming for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but the thing is, you know, I mean, I don't want to diss anybody for what they do, but, you know, they're, yeah, they've got, you know, a few brands that they really promote highly, but, you know, a lot of the other pieces they do, they don't really care about. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's, um, it's a challenge, but you know, it's gotta be true to what you do. Like anything, you know, I just got to, this is what I want to do. I'm proud of it. This is what it is. It may cost a bit more, but in the long run, it's actually doesn't cost more because you're regenerating things. You're putting money back where it should be to kind of help sustain where the product came from. But that's the thing. You're looking at a, at a, at a bigger version of the bottom line than a startup might do say, uh, you know, because you're, you're, you believe in community. You've helped build a community, and so you so so you, you you see that as part of the value you're creating. But it it I'm sure it doesn't make it make the journey any easier uh, going forward. Let me just ask you about uh, fair trade. Um, Salt Spring Coffee was one of the first ten companies to be certified by Fair Trade Canada. And what does that actually mean? And how does it help consumers? And how does it help you? Well, um, when we first started in 1996, Fairtrade wasn't even on the map. It, it was a little bit in Europe, not at all in North America. And when it came along into saying, this is great, because basically what it is, it, it's, 
it's sort of guaranteeing producers uh, a minimum price. Kind of what I was saying earlier, like the way the coffee trade, it's you know, it's a, it's on the U and the the market in the coffee, tea, and cocoa exchange. So it's a commodity that gets traded. You know, it goes up and down, up and down. And you know, tr- traditionally, you know, like you want to buy low, sell high. Uh, and but what fair trade did and coffee was in that category, you know, so they got you know, taken advantage of. So what fair trade did, it came in and, and guaranteed a minimum uh, price, you know, at the time it was, you know, so the farmers could actually make a living out of it. And then so that's that's in primarily what it was, is, you know, how, uh, the farmer getting, you know, a living wage for the country they're in. Uh, and then there's differentials of quality added on to that. So it kind of put a benchmark there for 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 the product pricing um that's primarily what it does it's it's changed a lot over the years and you know adding more layers of you know sometimes complex pieces in there but sort of from the consumer perspective they kind of know okay well you know it's fair trade and they can kind of tick that box knowing that the farmer's getting paid a, a better price um there are other options as well now um i mean sort of that's why i'm saying fair trade values because there's other ways of of um getting fair trade verified or certified uh, we use fair for life you know, so it's based on some fair trade values but it's a different auditing process but you know basically it means that the farmers are getting paid a better sustainable wage or not not a wage <laughs> a cost for their product right I, i'm curious what you've seen uh, uh I get the impression you've worked with some of your suppliers for a long time and you have great relationships with them. Have, have you seen fair trade and, and the sort of the stability of that, um, of that process? Have you seen that making a difference in the communities where you get your coffee? Yes, absolutely. The, the way it often works is with the, the premium, just, you know, as an example, uh, you know, the, the farmer, the, the premium, that's what it is. Basically, it's a premium above the fair trade price. So what happens is we it, it's working with cooperatives. So the cooperative, what they will do is they will collectively decide they want to spend the money on on X, whatever it might be. So it could be, you know, something for drying coffee. It could be, I've seen them, you know, used for religious purposes. They want to build a church or they want to, you know, put a, whatever it might be that it's the, it's the community of the coffee community they're the ones that decide where the money goes so it is good sometimes it you know it could be improving quality of coffee improving quality of life uh say religiously so it, it's good so it, it has some some pretty big impact in in a lot of areas and the nice thing about it it's done is on a collective basis is that the community decides how they want to do it and it's not like a you know just a person saying we're going to do this and nobody else likes what they've done so that's that's the good process about that um, and the answer is yes. I have seen some good improvements over the years with what um, with what's happened with fair trade premiums. Yeah, that's fantastic. And Salt Spring was also a pioneer in terms of becoming a certified B corporation. You were the first in British Columbia, and I guess the third in Canada to become a B corp. So yes, tell us tell us what that means exactly, and and how d- does that restrict what you can do, or does it sort of liberate you? Well, you know, what it does, it actually kind of verifies what we do. And uh, when it first came by, I was quite excited because we've been doing a lot of these things for a long time, but without really any real support or um, what they provided was kind of a toolbox of, you know, these various things and, th- and they, they verify it. So you have to go through this um, 
this process be, you know, before you can become a B Corp. It's, you know, quite an onerous process you go through and, you know, answering a bunch of questions and, you know, getting your, your certification. And it's a point, a point system. Um, it, it would change over the years, just the, some of the way the ratings go. But, it, you know, what it does, it, it verifies the company, not the product, which is what I really quite like. So fair trade is just the product. So anybody can sell a fair trade product. You just got to buy it, pay the price, pay the premium, and then you can move on. But what B Corp does, it's actually working with the company's values. And it really kind of helps keep one's feet to the fire. And, you know, sort of as I was saying earlier about the importance of working with producers and uh, the environment, all that. So what it does, it takes into account all of that. And if you make a claim, you know, they want you to prove it. So that's another good piece of the part of the process. And, it's you know, that's quite a, uh, a lengthy and onerous certification process they go through. So it really, it helps, uh, you know, I, once again, I mean, it is relatively new. I mean, well, it's been around for 10 years or more, but I mean, it's becoming more aware to consumers. And I think more and more B Corp brands are being recognized. And it's, say, it's about the company, not the product so much, because you could be a, you know, a, a legal firm and be a B Corp or any other, you know, company as well as products. So it really is important uh, from my perspective that you know, you can, you know, and then also there's becomes a network of other B Corps you can work with. So if you need a lawyer, maybe, maybe look for a B Corp lawyer to start with, uh, or an accounting firm or, you know, banking hasn't quite got into it yet. Um, at Coast Capital here in British Columbia, they're as far, you know, they're a B Corporation, which is awesome. We provide coffee to their, their organization. So there's a, there's a win-win, uh, things like that. So, you know, it kind of creates a network and then you can start having more dialogue about the important pieces. And then, you know, then then the dial starts turning a little bit better in the right direction. And, you know, it also it separates out some of the very large players from, you know, some greenwashing tactics. And so I think, you know, more and more that it's uh, it's it's important to have, you know, those kind of corporations and or companies in the mix, because, you know, we got to. We've got some serious work to do to get things back on track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any tips for, you know, you, you've obviously, you, you were early stages being certified by Fairtrade, being certified as a B Corp. Any tips for other entrepreneurs that have that in their sites and, and, and want to make that process, the certification process as smooth as possible? Well, with B Corp, you can actually go on to the B Corp site, uh, bcorp.org i believe um and then you, you can do an assessment it's a free assessment so you can just go in there and basically answer the question to kind of see where you rate in there that's a really good start so it, it doesn't cost anything if once you become you know if you want to take the next step then you know it's all the process is all right there and you know there is some money involved in doing it but it's easy enough to just do it as an assessment and see where you stand. And it, part of it, too, it can just jog some good, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Or, you know, that's good. I'm doing really good here. I could, you know, improve here. So that's what I mean by the toolkit, which I really liked about it, is it makes you think a lot more. And then you can bring it internally into your company um, and use it. You know, that's what we've been doing as well. And, it, you know, we've been at it for 10 years. And say there's always room for improvement. And we're getting better at it. You know, we have... A person in the company now who's dedicating a portion of her time to that and really kind of helping us be be better and you know we have a goal to to continue to up our score and you know become better so that's 
that's good to have the guidelines and the tools to be able to achieve that. And also, it's a third party certifying you. So it's not not your own claims. You're being verified by somebody else. That's also quite good. Right. And our crack research team, which is me Googling, tells us that tells me that the uh, best site to start at is bcorporation.net. Okay, there you uh, go. It's .net, not org. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I right. get those there you go. all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, you and Salt Spring Coffee, both of you are big on supporting the community locally and, and, and overseas where the coffee beans are produced. And your mission statement is to change the world for the better through coffee. So can you tell us about some of the things that you've done to, to build community and, and do that little bit to change the world? Well, you know, I already touched on it a little bit, but a lot of it, you know, over my many years and uh, traveling around the world with coffee producers and a lot of them, you know, what the producers say, I mean, they certainly they like to get, you know, build things and have things like, you know, schools or healthcare, whatever it might be. But a lot of if people pay a fair price on a regular, consistent basis, of producers, that's all that they really want. They don't necessarily want to have, you know, handouts. Uh, you know, it's always nice. But the problem what I've heard many times from producers is sometimes, you know, some of the very large coffee buyers go in there and they'll give them a bunch of money to do a project and they, they make it all flashy and everything. But then meanwhile, they don't want to pay a decent price for the coffee, which is kind of a bit counterintuitive. And then they're, you know, so what they, what they really said, just buy our coffee at a good price, you know, regularly. And that's all we really ask for. So that's part of what, you know, I guess what we mean by that is just sort of, you know, continue on those goals and using coffee as a tool, you know, and coffee has been, a tool for messaging for quite a long time, you know, because it touches the lives of so many people around the world. So you can use it for messaging about, you know, the important pieces. And, you know, that's something we've done for a long time too. So changing the world for better through coffee, I guess that's part of the message is just, you know, we're using it as a tool and you could talk about various things, you know, the supply chain, regenerative agriculture, importance, fair trade values, all those things. So, that's you know kind of what it is it's sort of the it's the tool we use to drive change <laughs> and uh and and that was one of the things i guess early on you know when robin and i started the company is that after doing a lot of research into you know really what was about going wow this is awesome you know we can use this you know it's we we love coffee you know have forever and it, it ends up that you know from a business perspective it can it can really uh, use it to help um educate and talk about about the changes in the world that need to happen. And to say we we're constantly <laughs> improving that ourselves. So it's a never ending journey. Looking back on your journey at, at at Salt Spring Coffee, is there anything you wish you'd done differently? Something you learned later that might have made a difference sooner? I think sometimes, you know, maybe taking action sooner, like sometimes I'll think about something or see something coming along and kind of waiting for things. To, there's, there's sort of two sides that one is sort of good to be, you know, patient and wait. And then sometimes I realize you didn't move quite quick enough. And then all of a sudden there's more people in the space to, to you know, to compete with. And uh, I think I've always been pretty good at kind of having intuition about where things might go and seeing how the world's playing out. And but sometimes waiting a bit too long for various reasons. So I, I think that sometimes you just sort of have to take a little bit of a 
more of a leap of faith and, and move a bit quicker sometimes. Um, and I, you know, that, that would be, would be part of it. Um, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty satisfied with what we've done. Uh, yeah, we, I'd say that we've, we've had some pretty serious, um, ups, upheavals and, and challenges, you know, I would, <laughs> would like to have avoided those, but they were a little bit out of control. Uh, you know, when we're on salt spring here, uh, you know, some things that they're out of your control, but I, I, I think that, um, yeah, just, you know, if things do feel right, you know, and well, taking, taking action yeah, sooner is so. a great yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've been talking with Mickey McLeod, the co-founder and CEO of salt spring coffee, which is a pioneer in many ways in the, the packaged goods and su sustainable industry world. So it's been a fascinating conversation. Mickey, the last question we ask at the Startup Canada podcast is, what's the most actionable piece of advice that you'd like entrepreneurs to, to take away from this conversation that they could implement immediately in their business? Um, well, I mean, I guess just uh, like, I think I said a little bit earlier, just, you know, get, get, uh, you know, really curious about what you're doing. And if it feels right, just, just, you know, kind of go for it. Because a lot of it I find for myself is you kind of have this feeling inside you, this intuition. And if this, this feel, you know, gut feeling, I guess they call it, if it feels right, just, you know, go for it and carry on because that's, that's the thing you don't want to, you don't want to miss out on that, on that, that piece. And uh, I just, that's where I guess I get excited. This, this just feels right. Let's just do it. So if it feels right, go for it. But it sounds like curiosity is another word for research. Intuition, act on it, but do your homework. Yeah, well, it's all of that. So not, you know, not like, oh, I want to do this and, you know, kind of carelessly jump into things. So you start, be curious, do some research if it feels right. I don't necessarily, you know, like sell the farm and mortgage your house and totally go for it. But if you've done a lot of that background research and you, it feels right and it looks like you've got the pieces lined up, then then go for it. Because that's kind of part of what entrepreneurial is. You have to, you know, you have to be a bit gutsy and go for it, you know. Uh, so that that will be part of it, like not foolishly stepping out there. But once you've done the various pieces, you know, you've done the research, I know what I want to do. I feel um, somewhat, you know, comfortable. I'm educated. I know what's going on. And then you just, you know, going for it. So it's, you know, a bit of a leap of faith. But, you know, that's also kind of the fun about being an entrepreneur. You know, like, oh, good. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm a little bit different. It's a bit scary, but I'm going to do it because some people just don't have that. They just don't want to do that. And but if you're an entrepreneur. You know, that's that's kind of part of the, the charge and the buzz you get from doing it is like, you know, I'm just going to do this. Absolutely. Mickey, thank you so much. It's not often I get a chance to talk to a pioneer, but you've been a pioneer in your market and also in the way you do business. And I want to thank you for that. It's an inspiring story. And uh, I'm sure that uh, our listeners are fascinated by this and they're going to rush out to their grocery store or Costco and, 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 and buy the coffee. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate the chat, Rick. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.